Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 32. We're going to read a lot of scripture today um, as far as our, our, the points that we're going to be working with. So if you have your Bibles back at, at, at home, um, book of Acts chapter 16. Verse 16 through 32, um, Paul and Silas are on a, on a journey. They are spreading the gospel of Jesus. We find them in this story right here in verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer where we, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Imagine that, this woman following you, shouting that behind you for day after day. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, so basically they saw that the income they were making from this girl was no longer available, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Um, And when the rulers, excuse me, and when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave them orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to him. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. For we are all here, and the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, the Lord, oh, excuse me, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your touch, Lord. We thank you for your hand. We thank you for your goodness. I pray that you would speak through this word. God, let it not be my thoughts or my opinions, but Lord, let them be founded on the word of God and led by the spirit. I thank you, Jesus, that you've given me the privilege to minister your word, and I don't take it lightly. We thank you that we get to hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's Paul and Silas, and they're on this this journey. They're going to the place of prayer. And Paul and Silas are irritated with this girl who has a demon. She's demon-possessed, and she's using, and that spirit is using her to, be, to, to give or to tell fortunes of other people. And so men have gotten a hold of this girl. They have used her to tell fortunes to, women, to, to other people, and they keep the money. And so when, when Paul and Silas were annoyed with this, they, they set the girl free. And now these men are like, well, there goes our income. 
And so they, they cause an issue for Paul and Silas. And they say, okay, well, we're going to stir up trouble for you because you've taken our business. You've taken our money. How many have ever encountered people that care more about the income than the person? These are these men. And so they, 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 they get upset. They cause, a, they cause a scene. And because of the type of government of this region, they were able to take Paul and Silas and they beat them. They, they brutally beat them tore off their clothes, humiliated them, and then didn't just throw them into prison, but threw, threw them into the in, innermost parts of the prison and locked their hands and their feet with chains. For what? Because they set a girl free. Because they set someone free in the spirit, they were bound in the physical world. You ever, have you ever obeyed God and, and the, the results weren't quite what you expected? Have you ever done the right thing, but you don't get the result that you thought was coming to you? Have you ever done the right thing to somebody, and then you say, Lord, I, I, if I could please get some water, that'd be amazing. <coughs> God, I, I, I did the right thing, but now they're not talking to me anymore. Lord, I, I, <coughs> I spoke to them out of love, and now they're upset with me. You've ever done something, walked in obedience, and now you've received results that are just they don't feel right. They're not talking to me. They're talking bad about me. I lost my job. I lost the income. All these things are coming against me because of my obedience. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? Thank you. I'm trying my best not to cough again. Thank you, Isaiah. Isaiah's the best. Truth is, obedience is not always, it's not always popular. And obedience Obedience is not always well received. <coughs> Paul and Silas didn't deserve what they got. It wasn't right that they went into prison. They didn't deserve that. But it happened anyway. And sometimes we don't, we don't always get what we deserve. We get something much worse. Right? God, I, I'm trying to do what's right. Why do I keep getting, why do these bad things keep coming to me? But the truth is, is that Paul was able to praise in the prison. He was able to have joy in this trial because of who he served. Because of who Paul was connected to and who he was serving, he was able to go into prison and worship. <coughs> he, was, he was praising in the prison because of who he served. In 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15 says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who speaks or anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. He's saying even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, which you shouldn't, but you probably will, be joyful because you're blessed. There's a, there's a little commentary I want to read. It says, <clears throat> the expression, but even if you should suffer, points to the fact that suffering is not the expected outcome for zeal for doing good, though it can and does happen. The suffering in view results from righteousness, from the king, or, or living for the king um, and conforming to God's standard. If this should happen, you should consider yourself blessed. This blessedness or happiness is certainty 
that comes from belonging to God and his kingdom with the promises of future vindication. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, if you do suffer for, for doing something good, count it as a blessing because you're a part of God's kingdom and you serve God. So he was able to praise in the prison because he served God. That makes sense this morning. See, we can, we can be jailed but joyful. Paul knew the king. He knew God. He, that was his reason to worship. Philippians 3.8 says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He knew God. He knew the king. He had a relationship, a close walk, an intimate relationship with God. And so this was his reason to worship even when he was in prison. <coughs> Paul had a reason to praise even in the prison. He had joy even when he was in the jail cell because the jail cell could not rob him of his praise. It couldn't rob him of his joy. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and, and your minds in Christ Jesus. This means that the good things of God often are given to us even in times where they don't really make sense. Why should I praise? I'm in prison. Why should I praise God? I'm going through something really tough. It doesn't make sense to praise. Well, we praise not out of our situation, but we praise out of our, of our relationship, who we belong to, because we have the same reason to praise that Paul did. But what happened when, we, when, we, when everything got shut down, we weren't able to go places. What, did we praise or did we complain? If I'm honest with you, I praise. No, I'm just kidding. I, I had some complaints. My complaint was mostly that there was no basketball on because I said if I could just stay home all day and watch basketball, I'm good with that. But it was canceled. And so, But in this time, what do we do? We complain. And we talked about this last week. It's like that's not, we, didn't, we have not really experienced persecution as a church. But we, did we praise in this time or did we complain? Do you praise when you go through things, when you struggle and you have times and trials of, and all these things that come against your life that are not always positive and sometimes negative and sometimes very tough and very hard? Do you praise through them or do you praise in them or do you complain and just wait to get out of them? Because I believe that we've wasted too many trials in our life. We've, we've, we've gone through them, we've gone through them, but we've never changed. We've never learned, we've never grown, but we have the same reason to worship that Paul had. We have our great God. You guys can turn off the, the pads now, please. That would be amazing. Hebrews chapter 1, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Like I said, we're going to read some scripture today. Is that okay? All right. Cool, I'm going to do it anyway. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of, God, right hand of, uh, of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Verse 5, for which of the angels did God ever say? Now this is describing the son. You are my son. Today I have begotten you or again. 
I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all gods, or let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years have no ends. At no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit in my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your, for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are, who are to inherit salvation? He's describing the Son of God. He's describing Jesus laid the foundations of the earth, is everlasting, is eternal. This is the great God that we serve, and our God is not common. The, the reason we praise, the reason we worship, is not because our life is necessarily good, but because our God is eternally good. The reason we worship is because we serve such a great God that really cannot be described, but is described very well in the scripture. But even beyond that, he's beyond our, he's beyond our understanding. We can't comprehend his goodness, and this is the God that we serve. My fear is sometimes that we make Jesus common. And we make God common. But when God becomes common, then we don't worship him with the worship that he deserves. I'm not talking to anybody specific today, okay? This is for all of us. Amen. God become, when God becomes common, we lose our reason to worship. And when we, when we lose our reason to worship, we can stand in a moment where the presence of God falls with our hands on our, in our pockets, wondering when we're going to move on. That's when God becomes common. How do you know when God is common in your life? Well, look how much time you spend in prayer and how much time you spend in the Word. I'm going to move on before, we get, before everybody leaves. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I need to hear this too, guys. This is for all of us. You know God becomes common when, when you look in your bank account and you see that you haven't given. But you say, well, I thought we were talking about worship. Yeah, we are. This is worship. You know God is common in your life when you make your own decisions and expect God to walk with you and you not walk with him. That's when he becomes common. Well, why am I saying that? Because he's no longer God of your life, but he's a God in your life. That's when you know he's common. You look at the way the father described the son. Righteousness, holiness, powerful. How do you describe God in your life? Not, not, not the God that you know in church. Not the God that you read about in the Bible because that God is great. How do you describe the God in your heart? Because we can say that we worship God of heaven but really what we mean sometimes, and this is maybe not for all of us here, it's for somebody else. So, so write notes so you can share it with somebody, all right? But what we can say is, I worship him on Sundays and in a song. 
But what if I told you that the song is not worship alone? Our God is great. Our God is holy. Our God is righteous. Our God is powerful. Our God is eternal. Our God is all-knowing. Our God was there in the beginning. Our God will be there in the end. Our God has been there through every season, through every century, through everything that has happened in the world from the beginning of time up until right now. God has seen it all. God has been there, and he's still here. Our God knows and sees your heart. He knows what you do. He knows why you do it. He knows our intentions. He knows our motivations. He knows what inspires us. He knows what we're living for. That's the God that he knows. But he's also a God of mercy. He's a God of love. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of grace. He's a God of patience. Thank God that he has patience for me because I can be very stubborn sometimes. Can anybody relate with me? Thank God that he's patient with us. Thank God that he's kind. Thank God that he, he cares about the little details of your life. This is, a good, this is a God that we serve. He is not common. He's not common. I, I, I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. My dad is actually still a pastor. He actually just launched a, uh, opened up a new church a couple years ago. And they're doing, they're killing it out there in California. He loves it. I can't wait till he comes out here to preach. That'd be great. But my, yeah, so I'm a pastor's kid. Listen, I know what religion looks like. I know what a good person, a good life, a good person. I'm just a good person. I know what that looks like. And that is common. You can find a lot of good people. But it's hard to find a lot of surrendered people. But I know what it is to make God common. And listen, guys, I don't want to do that here. You say, well, why, why do we extend worship? And why do, you, why, do you, why do we not, you know, just move on and have it, have it on the list and go with, because, because I'm not in control here. Because I serve a God, just as you do, who is not common, but who is closer than we realize. When, isn't it funny how I was talking to my wife about this yesterday, and it kind of frustrates me a little bit. That it's almost a, it's like, I think the word is an, an anomaly. I think that's the right word. I'm probably wrong. So if I'm wrong, just let me know. But it's, it's, it's rare to talk about God as if he's actually living in your house. Right? Like we pray about, we pray about him and we talk to him. But to actually sit there and have a conversation with your family about God, is it rare? Or does it happen often? I don't want to make God common in my life. He is closer. He is, he is a God who, who wants to know you. Now, when I say God spoke to me, I'm not saying like he opened the heavens and he, he said, Mike, I need you to do. Like, that's not what I mean. What I mean is I know him because he's close. I'm not some special person that's like, oh, he's got it for some reason. He can hear the voice of God. I don't know why. Can you teach me how? Yeah, just talk to him. He's closer than we realize. The beautiful thing about this eternal God is he is eternal and he is great, but he's also very personal. He wants to know you. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal God to us. He wants to reveal himself to you. You don't have to walk in the dark. You don't have to walk with, with man, I wonder what God is saying and I wonder what God wants me to do with my life. No, no, you can know because he's closer than we realize sometimes. 
And this God that we serve is worthy of our worship through any season. The, dark, the darkness of the prison for Paul did not, uh, did not dim the beauty of the Lord. The darkness of his situation did not dim the light of God because that's how great God is. That even in darkness, in moments of struggle and seasons of trials and, and moments of worry and anxiety and anger and frustration, God is still good. Even when those moments are not, that's how good he is. That these moments that we go through, these temporary afflictions that we go through, cannot compare to the glory of God. Because that's how good he is. I've been changed by God. Have you? I've been, my life has been completely, like my flesh life has been destroyed and I love it. I love it. I'll sit in my office and pray, Lord, what do you want, what, is there anything you want me to stop doing? Anything. And he'll say, don't watch this show. I'm like, that's a great show though. That, are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Why? Because he's the God of my life. He changed me. I, 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 the life that I used to live, I look back in it like the things that I used to be bound by and the things that I used to do and the lifestyle I used to have, a life of, of trying to be good and trying to earn the grace of God and, and trying to, to, to look good in front of people, but knowing I was, I was destroyed on the inside and God changed that. I, I no longer have to hide things. My goodness, do you know, isn't that such a great feeling when you don't have to hide things? Why? Not because of my own strength or my own power, but because of his. God changed me. So because he changed me, my situations can't. They can't change who God has intended you to be. Because even in those moments, God is still God. I put it this way, the chains can't change me. Paul and Silas in the chains, they could not be changed by what was going on around them. The, the, the locks on their wrists and on their feet could not stop the worship from their heart. Because worship is less about sound and more about spirit. Because worship is what happens when the heart is truly changed. Worship is not a song, it's not a moment, it's not an encounter. Worship is a fully surrendered life to the Lord. That is worship. Worship is not the 30 minutes or 35 or sometimes 40 over here. That's a part of it. But just a little part. Because worship can only come from a heart that's been truly changed. True worship is daily obedience. That's true worship. When we obey God daily, John 4, 21 through 24, says this. Jesus said to her, this is the story of the woman at the well. I, I encourage you to read that. It's in John chapter 4, so you can start from the beginning. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. See, worship is more than an act. 
How can you worship in spirit and truth if your spirit is dead? How can we worship God in the spirit if we've never, if our spirit has never been brought back to life by the power of God? Jesus is saying there will be worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. You worship there, we worship here, but there's going to be a time when it's not about the place you go, but it's about the life you live. So he's saying worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. This is more than an act. We can, you can do impressive things. You can give extravagantly. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a life of worship. Because a life of worship is much more than a one time a week thing. It's much more than a 30 minutes or 40 minutes of prayer and reading of the word. That, although that is all a part of it. Worship is the life that you live. Let your bodies be a living sacrifice. Not a moment, momentary sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. That every day, every decision, every word that comes out of your mouth, does it glorify God? You know, I know that this is not always easy. And we make mistakes. Amen. We make mistakes. But this is worship. It's not just doing the right things. Matthew 15, verse 8 says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus brings us up to the Pharisees, who they did all the right things. They did what was technically worship. But what is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, what you're doing, what you're, do you're honoring with me with your lips, you're, you're expressing something that's not in you. You're honoring me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. 1 Samuel 5, 15 verse 22. Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings as, and sacrifices and it, as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams, or to heed is better to give. Obedience is better than sacrifice. What is, this, is, this is kind of bad news, but can I tell you, I'll tell you in a minute why it's really good news, okay? It's kind of bad because it's like, well, then every good thing that I've done, that's not worship. Well, not really, unless you've been obedient. You can do a lot of good things and still live in rebellion, Right? I can do I can I can put on an act and put on a show and make everybody else think that I'm look that I'm a Christian and I could I could I can preach messages that encourage people and help people but unless I'm obedient to God I'm living in rebellion because obedience is better than sacrifice it's better that I obey than sacrifice what's best is this making sense this morning right this is let me tell you why it's good news because we can never sacrifice enough to get God's goodness we can never sacrifice enough to earn his love, ever. You can give your entire life and all the money that you have and still not walk in his goodness. It's about obedience and relationship, being fully surrendered not to good acts but to his will. Amen. Check this out, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, how scary is this? 
How, how, how terrifying, terrified would you be to be this individual? Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. He didn't, we did mighty works. We prophesied. We cast out demons. Workers of lawlessness. Why? Because you never knew him. Worship is not just doing good things. It's not just singing a song. Worship is the question of, do you know him? And are you living for him? See, worship is our spirit's response for who he is. Not in the flesh, not in necessarily in a natural way, but from our spirit. We worship and we live from the spirit that's been changed. A lifestyle of worship is not a burden. You may say, well, that means i got to do good all the time. Can I ever have a break? I just want a break from doing good for a second. Anybody ever felt, I mean, I'll be honest, I felt like that sometimes. Like, God, can you just give me a break from these kids, Lord, just for a little bit? I, I try, I do, you know what I do? I do this for my wife. I say, babe, just go to Target. Just get out of here. Escape. Escape when you can. <laughs> and I'm at the door with my hands like, help me. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm inside with the kids. But we ever have that moment of, God, dude, I have to do this forever? Like, I have to go to church every day for the rest of my life? Oh, gosh, I don't know if I can do that. God, I, have to, I can't ever do something wrong. I can't ever sin. That, that's coming from a heart that hasn't been changed. Because for, for, for those who have been changed, it is my joy to please him. It, it's my joy. I don't, it's not that I don't necessarily just not want to sin. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to do something that offends him. I don't want to take my family or say something to my kids or my wife that offends God. So it's not just, God, I, I got to do what's right, and I got to stay on the right path, and I got to live this lifestyle of worship. No, that's not what it is. It's, God, I'm so in love, and, I, and I'm just so connected to you, and I, there's something about God that, is in, that has captivated my heart and my mind to where I say, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I want to do, and that's what I find joy in. Whatever you want. You want me to go there? I'll go there. You want me to say that? I'll say that. You want me to give that? I'll give that. You want me to stop doing that? I'll stop doing that. It's not a burden to me because my heart, my heart's desire is to please my Savior. To please the one that has changed me. That has made me new. That has forgiven me. Some of us just need a realization of what we've been forgiven of. Because we've been good people. It was like, well, God didn't really forgive me of much. He took my punishment. I deserve to be in eternal separation from the Father. I deserve to be in hell. I deserve that because of my sin. But he took my punishment. He's changed me. See, worship is, a, worship is what naturally comes out of those whose nature has been changed. Worship is something that comes out of us 
that's natural when our spirit has been brought back to life. Why do I say it's not a burden? Because it's no, my old lifestyle is no longer the way that I live. Those who have been saved have become what? A new creation. And so because I'm a new creation, the old things have passed away and all things become new. That also means my desires. The thing that I worship, worship is what comes naturally out of those whose nature has been saved. See, I can praise in the prison because the prison it may, may get my body, may get my, my life, but it can't get my soul, it can't get my spirit. So I can still praise in these moments because I know that I'm changed. I know that I'm free. Paul praised when he was pressed because praise was an expression of what was already inside of him. It wasn't like Paul was there like, oh, I guess, well, let's just worship. No, no, no. Worship was already inside of him. So when he went through what he went through and his spirit was pressed and his life was pressed, what came out was an expression of what was already inside of him. What comes out of you in moments of pressing? Can I be honest and let you know what comes out of me sometimes in, in the moment of frustration? <laughs> a quick response. Just, just go, stop. Right? In, being impatient with my children. Being impatient with my wife. That sometimes comes out of me. Because there's still this battle. Is a battle. But what, com- what should come out of us is an expression of worship because worship is about a lifestyle. It's about what's, what's been in us, what's been changed in us. So when I'm pressed, when I'm crushed, my expression should be worship. My expression should be praise because it's an expression of what's already inside. And I'm going to close with this last point. David, you want to come up? <clears throat> about the wonder of worship and we'll be done and we will pray and I'm going to go get some in and out today that was the most reaction the whole time <laughs> we'll get some in and out kids are going to sit in the back and eat in the car and then we're going to Target typical Sunday But there, there's something about this story that, that just did, doesn't make sense to me. See, Paul was a man of God. Paul and Silas are a man of God. They're believers. The, the expression of praise came out of them because it was already inside of them. But something that doesn't make sense is every prisoner was set free. Why didn't they run? Like, have you ever thought about that with this story? Like, all these guys are, all the prisoners are set free. Their chains are off. Like, imagine, <laughs> imagine being that guy. Like, you're chained up, the gates close, and then out of nowhere, the door opens and all your chains fall off. Like, yeah, that'd be my first reaction. It's like, well, how do I get out of here? It's time to go. Thank God, right? Now, this is my speculation, and I could be wrong. But my speculation is they had an encounter with God because somebody else was worshiping. I think that... I think they saw Paul and Silas, and they're like, they don't deserve to be here. They were beaten pretty bad. They don't have any clothes on. 
and they're, they're praising? I wonder who their God is. I wonder how their God is so good that they could praise in a moment like this. I wonder if they had an encounter with the Lord where they were set free physically, but it didn't really matter because they had experienced freedom spiritually. I wonder if they encountered God in that moment. Now, my speculation could be wrong, and it probably is, but it's still a reality of the life that we live today that when our spirit encounters God and when we're brought back to life in Him, then we can look at our situation and say, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Or maybe I don't need to escape this because I've already been set free inside. Because a spiritual breakthrough will always be greater than a physical one. A spiritual moment of freedom will always be more significant in your life than a, spirit, than a physical moment. Always. Why? Because we are more spirit than we are flesh. Because our spirit is eternal but our flesh is not. So when I have a breakthrough spiritually, my physical afflictions, I don't really need to escape them anymore because I've already been free inside. It's the wonder of worship. See, our worship, the way that you live, will cause people to see God's glory. If you live a holy life, you say, man, I've been praying for my family, and I've been praying for my coworkers, and I've been praying for my friends, and I've been praying for my city and my neighbor. Well, how do you live around them? Because our holy living gives glory to God. Ezekiel 36, 23 says, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness through before their eyes. My response to God, my response to holy living, will give glory to God to those around me. And that glory robs the enemy of his. The enemy had a plan for all of these people in the jail. The enemy had a plan for the, the, for the woman they set free of the demons. He had a plan for them. But because of Paul and Silas' obedience, the enemy was robbed of his plan. The jailer was, and, and the, listen to this, the jailer, I found this interesting, and I, again, I'm almost done. I have like two more lines here and we're out. At the beginning of the story, it says, the jailer put the chains on them and put them in the inner part of the prison. By the end of the story, the jailer is the one who gets saved. Sometimes it's the very person who put you in the position you don't want to be in that God wants to touch through your life. Sometimes it's the person who talked about you and said things about you and got you in trouble at your job or got you in trouble with your family. Or that's the very person that God wants to use your life to set free. Isn't that crazy? The jailer who put them in prison, the jailer who bound them with chains was the one who said, what must I do to be saved? See, what will happen when those people who put you in tough situations see that in those tough situations you're still a Christian, guess what? Their eyes are open to the glory of God. 
when the people around you who are watching what we're going through, watch us as we go through trials and struggles and all these different things. They're watching us because when we give glory to God, guess what? God gets, God, they see the, his glory too. Does this make sense this morning? This unshakable kingdom that we are a part of has a king, and this king is holy. He's righteous. He's mighty. And he's all the things that we've said before, and he's worthy of our life of worship. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes this morning. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.